As we get started, I want to read this to you. Philippians 4, 6. And I, I asked you to open to Psalm 25, and I promise we're going to get there eventually. Eventually. You can keep that bookmark. Don't lose it. You will need it. But I'm starting today with reading to you from Philippians 4, 6. It's a very well-known scripture. Many of you have it memorized. Many of you try to live by it, and that's good. But it says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. What a great verse for us to remember, for us to memorize, for us to place upon our lives as both a prayer and a way of living. But I think it's not always that easy, is it? Yes, life gives us many great circumstances to enjoy calm, happy times, peacefulness. But many times within our life, we also have many opportunities of anxiousness, anxiety, fearfulness, burdensome times. We feel lost at times. And it may not be quite a stretch to say that sometimes, possibly even every day in your lives at certain stages in your life, you might feel like your life is filled with twists and turns. As you feel like you're being tossed around, you feel like every day you're being twisted and turned, being tossed side by side as if in a hurricane, as if in a whirlwind. And maybe you feel like you're being tossed around side by side, twisted and turned, lost at sea, almost like the waves crashing into the boat like Christ's apostles on that day 2,000 years ago. Or maybe you feel at times as if you've been locked in a fiery furnace like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Or maybe, quite maybe at times, you feel the twists and turns of life being tossed around and you feel like the Israelites being backed up against a great sea with the armies of Pharaoh right in front of you, pushing you into a sea and you don't know which way to go as they seek to, to attempt to kill you. Maybe you feel like Satan is at your door knocking or trying to bust it down. And maybe he's not physically trying to kill you, but maybe you feel like he's trying to tempt you, to lure you, to deceive you, to spread lies, to try and get you away from God, away from following him, away from living the way you should be. When all these cases, very real and true biblical cases from history, I want to say that God's people felt tossed and turned, twisted and turned all around in life. But looking to the whole story, we also see how God provides a way to hope. God provides a way to salvation. And in each and every single way, we can count on him. We can follow him because following Jesus, following God, following the Holy Spirit within us, it's what changes the game. You see, Jesus calmed the sea. God protected the three from the heat and from the flames. God split the Red Sea to allow his children to escape the armies of Pharaoh and on dry ground. And then he crashed the seas behind them on top of the enemies of God and his people. Washing them away. Washing them away. And I want to say that similarly, God still leads his people today. God still protects his people today. God still saves his people today. God still gives his people hope through all the twists and turns in life. God still helps you. And it starts with Jesus, my friends. Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes everything. And I just want to hear you say that once. So repeat after me. Jesus changes everything. Let's do that once more. 
Jesus changes everything. Following Jesus changes the game of life, but we so often forget that. So often, every single day, and I see faces in here looking at me right now who need to hear that, and I see faces right now looking at me who are saying, wow, I'm glad I'm hearing this because we need to tell ourselves more often that Jesus changes the game. Jesus changes everything. God changed everything in blessing us with Jesus, our Messiah, our Savior, our life provider, and our life preserver. Our lives are preserved in Jesus for eternity. But too often we live in all these twists and turns of life, feeling like we're dying here. We're losing it here. We're about to drown here. But we can remember that we have this life preserver to keep us afloat, and that's Jesus. Through Jesus, we have a peace restored with God. We have been redeemed. And through Jesus, we have a connection to God that will never end. A connection to the God of all creation, our perfect and divine sovereign, Heavenly Father, sovereign. I preached on the sovereignty of God just a couple months ago by challenge you. Look that up when you get home and meditate upon what that means for a life, that God is sovereign. He is in control of all things. And all things will work together for his ultimate good and plan to come to be. Jesus changes everything, my friends. Following Jesus changes the game. And with this new life in him, a restored relationship with God, we should recognize the great blessing we have. That just as God guided and protected and saved his apostles, just as God guided and saved and protected the Israelites, he will guide you to his path and he will guide you to life in him forever. That's no, that's, that's no mere little thing. That is a huge thing to take refuge in. To remember, we must look to him. He will guide you now. He will guide you now, just like he guided his people 2,000 years ago and beyond. He will guide you now. Psalm 23 powerfully says, and I'm going to paraphrase, it says, In the valley of the shadow of death, you need not fear, for he will be with you. He will be guiding you. With his staff, he will lead you. He is near. He is near. Do not fear. Do not fear. You know, we've had a bit of a, a bit of a more of a calm Sunday morning with our worship songs. I think it's good as we need to reflect upon how great our God is. We need to fl- reflect upon how he leads us and guides us through all stages of life. And today we're going to be looking to Psalm 25, 4. We're going to see David seeking God, pleading with God. God, guide me in your ways. Lead me in your ways and guide me on your path. David In Psalm 25, verse 4, pleads with God saying, Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your path. I want us to look to this. And as I look to this, I want us all to be challenged ourselves to, like David, be pleading with God to know his ways and be seeking his leading upon his path each day of our lives. May we seek his glory. May we seek his guidance. May we seek his ways every day. And may we follow his lead. And after we read, we're going to talk about that briefly too, that we need to follow his lead and stop trying to get God to follow our lead. Stop trying to take control. Let him have full control. I believe full-heartedly that Jesus does change everything for our life. And this is a great gift 
a great showing of the love of God that we have Jesus to change our lives radically forever, to bring us redemption from sin in a restored relationship with God. But we often fail to see just how great that is for us to be connected with God the Father, have a restored peace, a unity with the triune God. So before we go forward, I just ask you, will you come before God with the same attitude as David, pleading him to lead you, him to guide you, no matter what throws, gets thrown in your life, no matter what twists and turns of life you find yourself in, may we seek God. Everybody look to the side, see that game board beside you. We don't need to wait for God at the end of the game. God can help you with each step of your life. Let's read from Psalm 25 now. Please follow along in your Bibles if you have them with, that, with you. Your cell phones, the Bible in the pews, please follow along. If you need a Bible, see me or take one home. Please let me know and we'll replace it. We're not worried about that, but let's read. God's word in Psalm 25, verse 1 to 12 says this, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Now, I can picture David as he's saying this. He's pleading with God. He's probably on his knees or prostrate before God, fallen before God, almost tears within his eyes, speaking with anxiousness, Lord, I need you. And he says, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Oh, my God, I, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your path. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. I underlined his way. We need his way. We need to be instructed by his way and following it. Verse 10, all the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. Now, I believe there's some great applications for us to learn from David in the Psalm 25, especially as we're thinking about our own lives and the twists and turns which get thrown our way. I want you to see how following God through all the twists and turns of David's life would always change everything for him. It would always turn him back to seeing there is a better way to live. And through following Jesus as our everything, we see how Jesus also changes everything for us. We remember that there's a better outlook. There's a better hope than anything in this world to depend upon. And nothing in this world can take that away. David, once again, in this scripture, finds himself seemingly in great trouble and great peril. And he pleads to God. He seeks help, not from the world, but from God. He seeks God to lead him, to guide him, 
to teach him. He seeks to know the ways of God and be saved from his enemies. He seeks God's greatness, his mercy, his love. And we also see that he seeks the remembrance of God. But what I also love about this scripture is the more and more he seeks God to remember him in his time of need, he sees how much he can remember of God and what God has already done and what God will continue to do. I ask us ourselves, do we want to know God's ways? Do we plead with God this way? Do we want to know him like David? Do we want to be guided by God, led upon his pastor righteousness and his glory? Because if so, it starts with number one. Number one, if you're taking notes today, I don't have it on the slides, but you can grab a piece of paper, a bullet in your cell phone, write this down. Number one, to be like David and live in a rightful way, I'll say, we need to lift our souls to the Lord. Submit to his lead, and in this you will find it. Submit to his lead, and in this you will find it. David in verse 1 allows the Lord to lead, and he states, David says that he lifts up his soul to the Lord. Now, this is an expressive figure of speech, but it speaks of total surrender. It speaks of total submission. It speaks of total waiting upon God. He was done. He was done trying to do it all himself. He was done trying to lead himself through all these twists and turns, tossings around. He realized this just is not the right way to live. He knew he couldn't save himself. He knew he needed God. And David's saying he lifts up his soul. Notice it's total surrender, total submission, total waiting upon God. It's as if David, with his hands stretched out to God... Up to heaven says, here I am, Lord, completely surrendered to you. It's as if he lifts up his hands and says, take me, take me now, take me, God. I am yours. David humbly submits in total submission. And I say, when was the last time we did that? We like to complain about all the troubles we have in our life. But how often do we just fall to our knees and say, Lord, I'm yours. Please forgive me and help me. Help me to remember you like I asked you to remember me. One pastor once said of God's leading, I found this powerful. He says, those who allow the Lord to lead do enjoy the leadership of the Lord. Most believers want the leadership of the Lord. They, they long for the Lord to give them wisdom and direction They want the Lord to supernaturally show them the ways to go, the path to walk. But here's the kicker. Few believers actually allow the Lord to lead as they should or as they claim to. As they claim to. Psalm 25 gives us a great picture of what it looks like to let the Lord lead, as well as a great picture of what the joy of having the Lord lead brings to your life. In today's world, this picture of the Lord's leading and remembering what he does, it brings great joy that's needed. Pastor John MacArthur once stated, I saw this recently, he said, no generation of people has been exposed to more lies and more liars than this current one. And you know, it's not just politics, it's not just media is what we all want to say. John MacArthur says the internet has created an explosion of lies that is beyond comprehension. And as I thought about this, I thought about my youth. I'm not 
as old as some of you, but I am older than some of you. But I remember, I think it was in seventh grade, and now you can do it probably as a kindergartner. I remember in seventh grade creating a website. Now, don't be too impressed. It was just a bunch of pictures of Corvettes copy and pasted from other websites and put on my website. I probably broke so many laws. But here's the point. Seventh grade, I could create a website. And I could put anything on that website I liked without any type of fact-checking or cares in the world. Well, now... We can go to the internet and kindergartners could put something up there. But what matters is that one fact I said, anything is on that internet without any fact checking in the world. Little to none of it goes along with God's word. Every single thing we see shouldn't just be, be based upon the truth of the world, but is it going to the truth with God and his word? We need to ask God to lead us. Ask God to guide us along his path and remember that all he's done and all he will continue to do. Before we go forward, I, I want to, you to note this. David lifting his soul to the Lord to lead is more than just an outward posture. These are not empty words of his or said in vain. David's words here mark an inward and outward total surrender of which actions will follow. I say this because as a youth, I also remember falling on my knees to pray by my bed as I thought the Lord will hear me more just because of my posture. But do your actions follow after that? David's inward and outward actions would glorify God. Now, he would struggle. We know he would, but we also know that God's word says he was a man of his, after God's own heart. We need to surrender we need to have a total change. Let's get back to my notes. Can we say the same about our own lives to God? In verse 2, David now says that he will trust in the Lord for his salvation from his enemies. He knows that the Lord will always be exalted. He knows that he will be exalted over his enemies here because God will be exalted. And when God is exalted, we are also exalted for we give God all the glory. Let's move forward. Verse 3 here. Actually, I want to back up one moment. It says, I wrote this in my notes. Can we say the same in the here and the now, in our current circumstances, can we say that we trust God for our ultimate salvation in all things? Can we say that we know that his exaltation will always come to be? Can we say that we are looking for his exaltation? Can we say that we are waiting for it? waiting for it. And when I say we are waiting for the exaltation of God, that means we are anxiously saying, I know it's coming. I know it's coming. God is going to be exalted. Even in this, God's name will be lifted high. God's glory will come to be. And we're praying for it. And we're looking for it. I'll never forget the moment we started these, these picnics after church on Sundays Three, four years ago now, it was probably about three years ago, might have been four, at North Park after church, Sunday mornings, just go grab some McDonald's, Subway, whatever, go to a park, or hang out on a pavilion. But Lee and Mona would end every single time saying, hey, before we leave, we just need to spend some time sharing our God sightings from this week. And then they challenge us, say, think about this coming week and be on the lookout because God is working. 
Guys, we lose track of that too often. We need to remember that God is working. We need to be looking for his exaltation because his glory will come. Verse 3 continues in the thought of what happens to those who lift their souls to the Lord's leading. As it says, none who wait for the Lord shall be put to shame. As David speaks these words, it's almost as if he is also speaking to himself, I wrote. He's reassuring himself that those who wait on the Lord will not be put to shame. We too should and can speak to ourselves with the same type of reminders that God, we know we will not be put to shame because you will be glorified. And if we're seeking to glorify you, to serve you, we also will not be put to shame. Even if death shall come our way, we know it to be a deliverance, not to hell, not to eternal torture, not to pain, not to be gone forever from existence, but to be going to a better existence. For we are absent from the body and present with the Lord. We are forever with God. We know that to die is gain. We know this to be our ultimate salvation, our renewal, a restoration to a physical unity with God in heaven. But you see, even with this type of submission, this humble attitude of surrender, lifting up of one's soul to the Lord as David did, even with knowing that to die is gain and that in all things God will be exalted, we must still take special note to verse 4 where David says, Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your path. You see, we know these things. We know to die is gain. We know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We know that, that God will be exalted, but it doesn't mean we need any less of pleading with God to lead us, to guide us, to help us to understand, to help us to walk in a way which glorifies you. And we need that even more in the hard days, but we still need it in the good days. Such powerful words of David are found here, and it's a posture to emulate, emulate. Powerful words to live by. David pleads with God here, and he basically says, God, I'm yours. Done am I with trying to lead myself, save myself, exalt myself. Lord, lead me in your ways. Teach me your path. Change the game that I'm playing. We see that path again, and sometimes we think, we're just going to take the straight route. We're going to avoid that path. We're just going to fly as a crow flies and just take the straight route. But what we don't see is all the forest, all the rivers, all the volcanoes, whatever else, the grand canyons of life that, that really staying on that twist and turns is just fine when you have Jesus with you to change the game. David was tired of the twists and turns of life, I wrote. I wrote, he was tired of being tossed around. He sought the Lord to change the game. He sought the Lord to move him to the next level of life. And we too should trust in God to lead us to the next level of life, the level of life for eternity with him, of knowing the blessedness of having the Lord by our side through all times. God wants to be your exclusive leader. He wants total control, and only your total devotion is worthy of him. Number two, as we work to move forward here, number two is to plead to God for help. In following God's lead, you'll also find the help that your soul very needs. I want to read verse 5 to 12 once again, so look to your Bibles. It says this, as we see how God helps, we see this, 
Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. For the sake of your goodness, O Lord, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. Let's examine this scripture just a bit. Verse 5 shows us that the Lord leads in truth. What a great help that is. Again, I, I, I just see this that David is asking the Lord to remember these things and help him. But the more that he asks the Lord to remember this from the past, remember this from the past, remember this from the past, he's seeing how the Lord continues to help him throughout his life. The Lord leads in truth. He teaches you in it also, verse 5. We also see in verse 5 that the Lord helps or leads us in salvation. We also see in verse 6 to 9 that the Lord shows mercy. He remembers not the sin of our youth, but instructs us in the new and righteous way to live and follow him in. We see in verse 10 that he helps lead the humble those who will fall prostrate before him and follow him in a total surrender, lifting their souls to him. We see that his steadfast love and faithfulness is found in this. And then, and then we see that he pardons the guilty. But for us, we need not worry about our works. For we see that the guilty are forgiven through Christ. Jesus is our pardon. His payment our payment is found in him. Number three, moving forward, we recognize how God helps, but we also see number three. In recognizing God's help, we proclaim of his greatness. David's not just remembering here. I already said this. He's also worshiping God here. As you remember what God has done, proclaim of his greatness and worship him. He proclaims of his greatness in verse 8 when he says, God is good and upright and teaches the humble despite their sinfulness or unworthiness. And we can say the same. We can proclaim the same greatness still today. We can worship him for that. Jesus is the Messiah, the promised one, the Savior, our hope. We need not just depend on God. We need not just depend on our works for salvation, for we can see that God has shown us love in Jesus and we can follow him. That's number four. You see, when we bow before Jesus and follow him, turning from sin and following the new ways of life which glorify God, we are greatly blessed and it changes the game for eternity. We must follow Jesus. Number four, follow Jesus. And that's my final point for today. We're all back to Jesus now. Following Jesus changes the game. Through all the twists and turns in life, we know there is a better way to live. In Acts 2.21, we read that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We know in Colossians 1.14, the promise that in him, in him, in nothing else we need to worry about, in him, we have redemption. We have forgiveness of sins. 
We need not keep looking back upon these things and punishing ourselves. For God forgives you and wants to lead you on his path to guide you, to help you to accomplish his will and his glory. Isaiah 41.10 tells us to not fear, for God is with us. Do not be afraid, for he is your God and he will strengthen you. What a great blessing it is to be restored to God with a rightful relationship with peace. But the question is still, will you follow the truth? Will you follow the way? Will you follow the life through all the twists and turns? Will you follow Jesus? And then the second follow-up question is like it, but, but different. Will you show other people the way, the truth, the life? Acts 4.12 tells us there is salvation in no one else. The name of Jesus is what saves, and his name is salvation found forever. And before I close, I just want to share with you a reflection that I heard a pastor speak of, talking about following me, those two words. He says, when Jesus invited people to himself, he did so with one simple statement. Follow me. Follow me, he said. There were no spiritual laws, steps to peace, or Romans road like we have today. He simply made that one demand, that one command. Follow me. That really is the all-encompassing demand of Christ. Those two words not only are a call to faith, but they also define the nature of our relationship with Jesus. He leads, we follow. He leads, we follow. We submit our entire lives to his leadership with those two words, follow me. But although those two words, follow me, sound simple, let's think about their implications. They're not just a call to add Jesus to an already busy life. They're not just a call to add Jesus to parts of your life but they demand Jesus to become one's life. They demand that we believe Jesus to be the only way, the only truth, the only life. And in response, we give ourselves fully to him. That means our marriages, that means our workplaces, that means our hobbies, that means all decisions, all business or fun. We consider Jesus and we consider our following of him. Does this go along with that? Becoming a follower of Jesus means that we, by faith, choose to let him lead in all things and all ways. And I ask you to consider your life today, this week, the months to follow. Are you doing this? Are you allowing him to lead? Because too often I think we say, Jesus, follow me. Follow me. I paraphrased, I added some there, but the same impact is there. Are we allowing Jesus to follow, to follow us? Or are we following him? Because all the twists and turns which get thrown our way through to the, due to this fallen world and sin and Satan trying to deceive, steal, kill, and destroy, Satan trying to steal people away from God's glory, we need to follow Jesus because he changes everything. He changes the game. Jesus changes the game. I wrote down these words, very appropriate from the Vacation Bible School coming up here this week. I wrote down, He alone is truly holy. He alone is fully trustworthy. He alone provides the total forgiveness of sins which we need. Jesus is worth the follow. That's powerful. Jesus is worth 
the follow. And Jesus is for everyone. Follow Jesus. He changes everything, not just the game of life, but the game of eternity is found in him. He will lead you back to the Father, to peace, and to hope forevermore. We started this message with quoting Philippians 4 or 6, which says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. I say this, it's not always easy. It's not. But Jesus changes the game because he makes it possible. He makes it possible. We can go straight to the Father in heaven. We can go straight to him. And even when we, need, even when we don't even know the words to say, we have the great Holy Spirit within us to yearn on our behalf, to help us, to guide us, to strengthen us in ways which we can't even imagine. Follow Jesus, my friends. Follow Jesus. When we are anxious, we can turn to the one who is aware of all our circumstances and who will meet us in all times of anxiety and fear and weakness. To him, we will always pray. We will always thank. And we will always tell him of our anxieties, of our fear, of our weakness. But then we should also sit and wait for his exaltation. Look to see how he will be glorified in all times. Remember Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Follow him. I invite the worship team to come up and we're going to close in prayer and a song. Let's pray now. Please bow your heads. Lord, we thank you for Jesus does change everything. Lord, we thank you that we're no longer saved by works, by sacrificial systems, we are saved by grace and faith through Jesus Christ as Lord. And you give them to us freely out of the abundant love which you have for your people. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for knowing that through all the twists and turns of life, all the tossings around, we need not fear for you are God and you will be exalted. Lord, may we remember the greatness of you. And may we just plead with you to guide us along this life's path, to lead us. May we just follow Jesus and, Lord, remember the greatness that he is to our life. And it's in your holy and powerful name we pray all God's people said, amen. Thank you. Please stand. Let's close with Give Me Jesus.
you feel this morning like the world has taken hold, like Satan is dragging you down an alley, well, I want to remind you, you can always turn back to Jesus. It's never too late. He's always there listening for you. He's always there waiting for you to look to him, to let him have the reins. He's always there to strengthen you, to help you, and to give you what you need. If you'd like somebody to pray with this morning, please come up front. I'm here. Austin's here. Some other worship team. The deacons can come up. We're here to pray with you, but not just today. Give us a call through the week. We'd love to be with you fighting the battles that you have. Let's praise God together, though, too. Remember to look for the exaltation of the Lord because he will be exalted in all things. His glory will always come to be. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning. God bless you. Thank you.